Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. On this episode, I'm going to ask you for your opinion And we're going to take a trip down memory lane. Let's get it. is The Maverick Show, where you'll meet today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers, and learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody, it's Matt Bowles. Welcome to The Maverick Show. This is episode number 50, and I want to start off by thanking you for listening to the show. It truly means the world to me. I really appreciate you listening, so thank you. And after putting out 50 episodes, I would also like to ask you for your opinion and feedback. I want to know what you like most about the show, what we could do to improve the show, what you'd like to hear more of in the future, and what else we can do to provide value to you. So I've created a short feedback form at themaverickshow.com slash survey. And it would be amazing if you could take a few minutes and fill that out just to give me your feedback on the podcast and help us provide even greater value to you moving forward. So just go to themaverickshow.com slash survey. And by the way, if you didn't get to listen to all of the first 50 episodes, I decided that for this episode, number 50, I would put together a Maverick Show highlight reel from the first 50 episodes. So feel free to keep listening. And after you hear that, you can submit your feedback at themaverickshow.com slash survey. Now, secondly, if you have gotten any value at all from this show over the first 50 episodes, I would like to ask you for your support of the show. Now, there's three main ways you can support the show. The first one is financial. So just for full context, during these first 50 episodes, we have not taken any sponsorships or paid advertisements. So all of the production costs have been an out-of-pocket expense for us in bringing you these premium quality guests, the highest audio quality, professional editing, comprehensive show notes, transcripts of every episode, etc. We have an entire podcast team that works on production of the show, and we have spent tens of thousands of dollars out of pocket to produce the show at this level. So if you have gotten 
any value from the show at all, it would help us out tremendously if you could make a one-time contribution to help support production of the show. You can just make a one-time contribution via PayPal. So you just enter the following email address into PayPal and it'll send it right to our account. The email address is paypal at maverickinvestorgroup.com. That's P-A-Y-P-A-L at M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K-I-N-V-E-S-T-O-R-G-R-O-U-P.com. And just uh, write a note that it's for The Maverick Show. So thank you very much in advance for that. Now, if you're not in a position to contribute financially, the other ways you can support the show are by writing a review of the show on iTunes. So just open up iTunes, search for The Maverick Show with Matt Bowles, click on Ratings and Reviews, and leave us an honest review there. And the final thing that is especially helpful is to help us get the word out about the show by sharing the podcast and recommending it in your social media network. You can either share your favorite episode in particular or just recommend the podcast in general, tell your followers and your friends what you like about it, and drop a link to The Maverick Show. So helping us to amplify our reach and get the show in front of new potential listeners would really, really help us out a lot and would be super supportive, and I would greatly appreciate that. So to recap... You can make a direct financial contribution to support production of the show at paypal at maverickinvestorgroup.com. Just go to PayPal and type in that email. You can leave a rating and review on iTunes, and you can spread the word about the show by sharing it on your social media. And now, please enjoy this very special throwback highlight reel from the first 50 episodes. The Maverick Show. Welcome to The Maverick Show. I'm Matt Bowles, and this is the weekly show where I'm going to interview today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers, and pull out actionable tips and advice that you can apply in your own life today. I'm going to release a brand new episode each Monday where you'll meet an interesting guest and hear their personal stories about their worst failures, biggest breakthroughs, amazing travel adventures, and most valuable lessons learned on their journey to financial success, location independence, and lifestyle freedom. Hey, everybody, it's Matt Bowles, and today I am here with Mei Ling Lai. She is an innovation specialist, innovator, consultant, and business founder. We got a shot at bat, and then it was what we did with that shot at bat that allowed us to grow the revenue to $2 million in a very short period of time, and we worked our tail off. I think when you're in the beginning of it, there's almost no amount of advice I can give you because the pain is just so in your face. When you're an entrepreneur, you just don't let small things stop you. You figure it out. If you fail, um, that sucks, but it's just that failure would just be the next stepping stone to you actually getting whatever it is you want right. What was the question? (laughs) If I had to say there's one major skill for a leader is you really have to have self-awareness. Because you will not succeed if you do not know what your strength is and what your weaknesses are. Your strengths, you're going to have to understand, are going to be the place that you're going to go to when, you know, most people talk about strengths as these wonderful things that you use to build a company. Oh, I'm so strong. It's so awesome. 
However, your strengths also happen to be the place you hide out when you uh, are actually going to need to do something that is in your weakness. So you need to be aware of your strengths and you need to be aware that you're probably going to hide there when someone tells you to do something that is a little bit different but is important to taking your company to the next level. When I started speed reading, it was because I was running a billion dollars and it was right into the economic crisis and I didn't have any answers. You know, you can find tons of people to explain to you how to manage money when the markets are going up. Markets are going down. Everybody's got great guesses. That's not helpful when you got to watch your P&L swing a few million dollars up and down every day. I needed some answers. I need them fast. So I just started reading ridiculous amounts of material. And it was through that exercise that my brain just started to develop pattern recognition. Okay, so based on the song selection for the audience, I am going to ask on behalf of the Maverick Show audience, (laughs) if you can pick a song that you can do now, acapella. For the Maverick Show. For the Maverick Show. You better think. Think about what you're trying to do to me. Think. Let your mind go, let yourself be free. Let's go back, let's go back, let's go back, way on back then. I didn't even know you, I could have been too much more than 10. I ain't no psychiatrist, I ain't got no doctor's degree. But it don't take too much high care, see what you're doing to me. You better think, think about what you're trying to do to me. You better think, let your mind go, let yourself be free. Oh, freedom, oh, freedom. I think empathy is always a really important skill set. When somebody's dying on stage, I do think it's really interesting to see what you can do as a single solo audience member to try to bring the audience back to that poor person who's suffering on stage. If you think about if you're in a corporate meeting and you've got some junior person who's presenting and you're the senior person, you got to try to keep them from losing confidence. A lot of times the words they're saying are just fine. But what can you do as the person there with your energy, with your just presence, whatever it is, to make that person feel comfortable doing their thing? That's why I like karaoke. And along those lines, yeah, not being negative, no matter how bad that person bombs, is a skill. And you could practice the karaoke. So there's a lot to be learned. Zen and the art of karaoke. (laughs) I don't know. We kind of digressed. What was the actual question? (laughs) Can you imagine? I feel like I'm in a beauty pageant. What was the question again? Can you repeat the question? (laughs) Can you tell us about world peace? World peace is the answer. I just want world peace. I want us to all be really happy and love each other. You know, like that's what I think. Are we out of liquor? Is that why we're pausing, Matt? Uh, Did you drink all your wine? I don't think I should. Honestly, I'm pretty red. I think you're at a good point. I think you're at the right (laughs) tipsiness level. Uh, It's going to start slurring if we continue for That is me officially apologizing. Well, we're going to edit the apology. Oh, no. We're gonna do an outtake reel. We're gonna do an outtake reel. We're gonna do, we're gonna do drunk blooper outtake reel. This is gonna be amazing. You definitely need an outtake. This is gonna be amazing. We're gonna do a blooper reel. Okay. <laughs> what was the question? What was the question? Our guest today is Keith 
Weinhold. He is the host of the very popular Get Rich Education podcast. He is also an international best-selling author. I am really out there all on my own when I'm climbing a peak and seeing nothing but moose and black bear and grizzly bears. You know, I set up a lifestyle much like you, Matt, that I call geographically agnostic. I could really live anywhere with this digital business that I own, much like you, and time asynchronous, meaning most of my activities can be done whenever I want to, whenever I have the energy. So it's control of time, it's control of place, and it's control of expression. I can talk about what's interesting to me. The way you can use other people's money three ways at the same time is you're using the bank's money for a loan and for leverage to get into the property, using the tenant's money for a monthly income stream, and using the government's money for very generous tax incentives. And you're getting these tax incentives at scale through things like tax depreciation, the mortgage interest deduction, and the 1031 tax deferred exchange, which means you don't ever have to pay capital gains tax on your real estate. I legally never have in my entire life. But that is the mindset shift. You need to think and act differently, and it's using other people's money. You can do it three ways at the same time with real estate. My guest today is Kristen Wilson. She is a location independent entrepreneur, writer, public speaker, content creator, and full time digital nomad. I actually have never said this publicly, but I burnt out. And I ended up having a grand mal seizure in an airport and like just woke up on the floor of the airport with all of these people around me. And long story short, that pretty much ended my surfing career because I won the Eastern Championship and the National Championship in 2004. So that summer I won everything. And then by October, I couldn't even surf anymore. And so that completely changed everything for me. The main formula for success is to just have a really clear defining mission for why you're um, going to go location independent, having a good plan, having reliable funding, having a good self-awareness and giving yourself space to reflect on what you're doing and why, again, checking in with yourself, having a, a flexible, positive mindset having a community, and then, of course, also putting in the work. <laughs> a lot of people don't work enough. At the time, I had a, a driver. And so I'm sitting in the back, and I got this email from my business partner who was basically telling me that they were cutting me out. So I'm like reading this email on my phone, and I got stuck in a big riot during those municipal elections. And there are people throwing cherry bombs and they have fire on sticks and picket signs. And it was just crazy and hectic. And the next thing I know, the driver, he just gets out of the car and joins the riot. And so I climb over into the front seat, the key's still in the ignition, and I just drive away. Our guest today is Sarah Gregg. She's a life coach, business coach, certified NLP practitioner, and the founder of The Power to Reinvent. And then I look down the platform and I can see like this 
team of 10 people running down the platform, like these Chinese train guards and a doctor, I, I assume, like with a wheelchair for me, like just racing down. And the rest of them are kind of like staring at us like on the platform. And Chris just whispers in my ear, I'm going to count to three and you're just going to run. We just need to run away from this. So he counts to three and we just run. And Chris has all the bags, like these two massive backpacks. And we run with like this wheelchair brigade chasing after us and we managed to outrun them and hide in a stairwell. (laughs) What is the next chapter of your life? What does it look like? If you can't answer that question specifically with details, then you don't have a goal. You are drifting. And drifting is very, very dangerous. You wander into other people's goals. You end up becoming envious. You compare yourself to other people. You might stumble across success by accident, but it's a complete waste of energy because goals are the fundamental. They are the key ingredient to success. There is endless amount of philosophers, scientific research that backs up what I'm saying. But yet we overlook it. I think goals in particular have become a bit like white noise in society. You know, smart goals, set your goal at an appraisal, set your New Year's resolution goals, all that stuff. But actually goals should be part of your daily practice. I miscalculated the number of days that I was going to be in Russia and the number of days I was going to be in China. I thought that I would be more days in China than I would in Russia. And it only brought enough money (laughs) to stay on the train. For like, I think two days or three days. And we got to the stage then where we were just eating like rye bread, like dipped in hot water. It was so next level disgusting. I think at one stage I put it in beer because I was so desperate. I was like, water and beer are the same price. I'm just going to have rye bread dipped in beer. This is my life now. <laughs> what the theory of flow describes is not only how to experience that joy in the present through flow state, but also how to create a unified sense of flow in your life where life makes sense to you and you're able to order your consciousness, direct your intention and invest it in a goal that matters most so that you get this seamless unfolding of life and time where everything makes sense. There's order in your inner reality and your outer reality responds to it. And psychologists really call this the, they call it the secret to happiness. And it's a formula for living life fully without the waste of your time or potential. My guest today is Jennifer McGee. She is the founder and owner of Retail in the City, an architecture and design company based in New York City. As an entrepreneur, I was running myself initially into the ground, working almost like, you know, 15 to 18 hour days, seven days a week. And it's exhausting. I learned that you have to build a team around you that knows what they're doing, that you can train and that you stay positive with and that is interested in helping the company grow. And I think once that started to happen, once those things sort of clicked into place, just things got easier. And when things got easier, you started realizing you were on the right track. And when you realized you were on the right track, yeah, you started to feel like you're going to make it. (laughs) However long you think it'll take, you just multiply by three and add about 100 days onto that. (laughs) So it's pure chaos. It's very lonely. 
the key thing is really to get the right people involved that can support your idea, but also can put time to it. And a lot of times, you know, time is money. And the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur is if you're starting with no capital and you're burning through capital and you're trying to do this and you're not paying yourself and you're trying to pay some other people, trying to keep everybody afloat, it can just totally completely wear you down. And I think one of the biggest challenges is how do you get through those periods? How do you find people to support you and take it to the next level? It's hard. It's very hard. And yeah, it's not talked about a lot, but that's the hardest reality. A few of the founders I've backed are scrappy. I, sometimes I like them scrappy because they're just willing to fight for it and go for it. They, they're willing to take risk and not sit back and sort of, oh well, oh, well, that didn't work. And then with solo founders, sometimes I prefer solo founders if it's the right person uh, because you can always get a strong team behind that founder. But if you have two founders that are eventually not going to get along, you've got a bigger problem on your hand. I think the biggest challenge for most founders is just the fundraising process itself. And the biggest mistake that founders make is not taking enough money when they're doing a round. So what happens is they close a round, they start spending that money, and then they realize they need to start raising for the next round. It, you got to have enough runway to feel comfortable so that you can focus on the business before you have to go out again and start raising money. So yeah, a lot of founders try to kind of shortchange that or maybe just don't. They're always just worried, you know, oh, I don't, you know, I don't need that much money, right? I don't need that much. Why would I take more? But the problem with that is you kind of have to think big. You have to kind of, you know, make sure you take enough money that's going to, you know, double what you basically double what you think you need. Today, I am with Johnny FD, who's a location independent entrepreneur who quit his corporate job in 2008 to begin traveling the world, working as a scuba diving instructor and fighting professionally in the sport of Muay Thai kickboxing. And he fought this guy named Big Boom. And all I can remember was, I can beat this guy. And I immediately was like, you know, sign me up. I'll fight this guy next week. I just, you know, thought I was like, this is going to be easy. You know, I got in the ring and I'm like, OK, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to win. And none of that, you know, none of it worked out. You know, he started punching me and kicking me. And then all your whole game plan goes out the window. And by round two, I'm exhausted. I'm so tired. And I just thought, oh, my God, get me out of this ring. But you can't. The only problem was it was really loud because it was at a nightclub and everybody was drunk. So I was like, I don't know if we're going to remember anything tomorrow, but this is a cool concept. And I just thought, hey, how cool would this be if we had this somewhere quiet? So somewhere, you know, people can actually talk to each other. Somewhere people can actually share ideas, you know, really just made it easy for people to learn and, and teach and share what's working. I was like, you know what? Let me give this a shot. I had no idea if anyone would come. I had no idea if anyone would even pay for it. I put the deposit for the seminar room on my credit card. Let me take this chance. Luckily, that first year, 120 people showed up. We did it again, 240, so doubled. Last year, we had 350 show up. And then this year, we had over 400. We had 407 people show up. It's just growing bigger and bigger and getting better and better every year. And that was the first time ever in my life where I was like, you know what? None of that other stuff mattered. You know, the things I thought mattered, you know, really cool clothes, going to clubs, just, you know, impressing other people. That wasn't it. What makes me happy is nature, animals, seeing new places, eating different food, you know, the variety of life and getting to know cultures. And ever since I found that, I was like, you know what, this is what I want. The reason why I go to 
these random places is because this is the one life we have to live. And there was a huge chance I never would have experienced it. But because I was lucky and fortunate enough to have found it, I don't want to give it up. When I'm building these businesses, my daily routine would be wake up 8 to 8.30 a.m. I would wake up with the sun. It's immediately I would jump up, go outside and get some fresh air. I wouldn't even uh, look at my phone until I left the house. I would drink a big glass of water to kind of boost start the energy, walk to the co-working space and I would make bulletproof coffee. I had you know energy and clarity all day and I would work in 30 minute batches kind of with the to-do list of what I needed to do that day, I would use apps like WorkRave or Timeout. And every 30 minutes, I would lock my screen. I would get up, go outside and do 10 push-ups or 10 air squats, come back, work again. And I would do that in chunks until 4 p.m. Then I would go to the gym. I was doing CrossFit at the time and I did it five days a week. I was in the best shape of my life. I had so much energy, so much mental clarity. I didn't eat a single carb or drink a single ounce of alcohol for in that entire year. And it paid off. Today we have Nick Nimmin, who helps individuals and companies grow their influence with online video. So what I did is I went back and I sold everything. And I started going to the gym, getting myself together, taking that time from doing that and, and started getting my, my health together. And I ended up losing 100 pounds. So I said, okay, I'm going to come over and I'm going to sleep on my brother's floor because um, he had a house at the time and, um, and he had an extra bedroom that he used for storage. So I took a, uh, so I took a camping mat uh, and a blanket and I, uh, and I slept on his uh, floor there for, um, I don't know, probably three or four months. With parasocial interaction, that's basically the idea of a one-sided relationship. And that happens to celebrities, that happens on YouTube. When you are watching a channel consistently, you start to feel like you know that person that's in the video because over time, they mention that they're going through this, they mention that they just did this particular thing, then you start to be involved with what's going on and the information that they're sharing. So with that, you actually start to develop a one-sided relationship with that person, even though they may have never had any type of interaction with you whatsoever. In addition to sharing your expertise, sharing what it is that you know, you're also using YouTube as something that is is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, around the clock, building relationships for you. And if you're doing any type of business, especially real estate or something like that, that relationship side of things is humongous. Special guest in the studio with us today, Julia Shem is a 25-year-old business owner who runs Goldie.LA Custom Metallic Temporary Tattoos. We were going from Colombia to Portugal, uh, basically crossing the Atlantic. And for 10 days, we didn't have any internet. And at first I felt really stressed about it because I thought, oh my God, everything is going to go to shit, basically. <laughs> but then I realized that actually everything is going well. And uh, after we arrived, nothing went wrong. That was the moment for me when I realized that I actually built a team uh, and a sustainable business that I don't have to participate in anymore. The number one advice would be go and actually start with something. You don't have to start with everything else. You don't have to know everything or know how to do everything. You can actually just start with something. And then as you progress, then you can hire people and ask for advice and then learn to do how to do something. I think one of the good qualities of the entrepreneur would be finding the right people that actually know better than you do. I used to build websites, but when I was working on my own website, I 
actually hired a computer programmer because I didn't want to spend countless hours learning the technology and everything and like how to do it properly try to find the person who knows better how to do that. And so the ability to combine all those people together and make them work together, it's, it, I think that's what makes you a great entrepreneur. Allie Boone is the founder and owner of Hipster Investments. She is literally a rocket scientist who left her top secret job as an aerospace engineer for the government at age 30 to move to the beach and become a location independent entrepreneur. Going broke is like a rookie initiation. Like you cannot be an entrepreneur unless you have truly felt the pain of what it feels like to really be broke. And it will last longer than you think. I think so much of entrepreneurship is the persistence to fight that battle. Despite what my life looks like and despite what my Instagram looks like or despite the fact that I'm in the Swiss Alps, there has been so much stress and so many challenges as I couldn't have even guessed. However, every single one of those challenges and every single one of those stresses were 1,000% worth it. I think entrepreneurship is so little about the trade or the technical part of the thing, like creating the business, like any, I mean, not anyone can do that, but that's the easier part. It's not about whether you can build a business or not. It's whether you can endure the emotional roller coaster involved because not everyone's cut out for it. And I think enduring that kind of stuff is key. And so it's important for me like I said, despite what everything looks like, to be very transparent that it's not white fluffy clouds. Like it really is not. But again, it's a almost cost benefit type of thing of every headache I've had, and there have been some big ones, is worth it, period. I was in Nicaragua. I was in the pool, drinking my hand, probably quite a few in at this point, And I get an email from my property manager at the time and it says, a storm just hit your house. Basically, the roof blew off, and it did not phase me in the slightest because I said, cool, let me know what I need to do. I put in a thing with my insurance company, said, hey, got a claim. They said, cool, who do we contact? I said, call my manager, and that was the last I ever did of a roof blowing off of my house, and I never left the pool. Well, property management notoriously blows it's the bane of rental property existence, in my opinion. However, to overcome that, learn to manage your team. You don't have to keep a bad property manager. You can keep shopping for another one. It's trial and error. Just like the employees of running a business, it's not a hard point. You have flexibility. You're the boss. By paying 10%, you're gaining time and mobility, yes. which to me is worth way more than what maybe a hundred bucks a month. I will swipe my credit card right now for a hundred dollars for someone to take some major stress off of my life. And I can go back to the pool with a drink in my hand. Exactly. Like people have got to understand this concept. My guest today is Spencer Gensch. He's the CEO of Hacker Paradise, which was founded in 2014 as the world's first international remote work travel group. One of them comes over to me and they say, Hey, We've got an emergency. He's older. He's a bit frail. He's having difficulty lifting his cup to his mouth. So he can't drink his drink. This is an emergency. And I just, I mean, you know me, I'm a real, I'm a real person. And I'm really like, 
I like to cut through the bullshit. So I'm just like, okay, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. And they're like, he needs a straw. <laughs> we have an emergency. The CEO of Samsung needs a straw. Being a leader doesn't mean that you're the loudest person in the room. It doesn't mean that you're the one always standing up and telling people what to do. That is shallow leadership. Real leaders are people who walk into the room and they listen. They want to know about people. They're observing things. They're noticing things and they're taking note of it as well so that it's something that you can uh, address. So for me, a lot of times when I'm in an environment for the first time, I am loud and tell some stories, but then I try to prompt other people to talk and then I listen and kind of watch around the room and try to see what's going on. But I think being able to listen and observe is a better sign of a leader than being the loudest one in the room. My guest today is Allie Green. She is an expert in organizational behavior, human resources, and people operations. And I feel like for the first time, probably in my life, I have complete control over where I'm spending time and why, who I'm investing in and why, and how open I'm letting myself be to new people and new experiences and, and learning from them. Whereas if I had just lived in one city or a few cities my whole life, a lot of that would be based off of circumstance. And so this life for me just shows so much like proactiveness about pushing your limits and pushing your boundaries and learning about yourself and cultivating self-awareness. And a lot of that comes from the mirrors of the people and places you choose to be around. I hate routine. I like do not want routine in my life. I want every day to be exciting and different. I want to be inspired by my surroundings. I think about what I want to accomplish in a very specific place. I will, for example, say I am going to go to this particular coffee shop that's around the block. And while I'm there, I'm going to write a proposal. Once I finish that task, then I'll be like, okay, cool. I'm going to leave this place now. And the time it takes me for, for me to go from that place to the next place allows me time to context switch. Then when I get to my new location, I can sit down and I can say, okay, now when I'm in this position in like this location, I'm going to respond to all of my emails. And so I very much struggle my day based off of activities I can accomplish in a certain place and how many times I can context switch to go to a new place to be re-inspired. My guest today is Daraja Asili. She is the founder and owner of Happy Trees Entertainment, which produces creative experiences in local places. A restaurant closes. I have an event that night. 40 people. My artist gets there. The doors are locked of the restaurant. What do you do? I remember all those first time instances that happened within my business, just the stress that I felt about it. And now kind of having gone through all these different stages, I know that everything is figure outable. There's a solution to everything. Choose that first niche that you have some sort of connection with. Is your partner a nurse? And, you know, they have access to all these nurses in your local hospital. And they all potentially may want to buy a house. 
right? So then when you're marketing to them, you can be very specific because nurses, they have an association they belong to. You can partner with the association. As far as on social media, you can target that particular city, a particular age range. So if you're talking about, say this is a real estate agent, right? Get a really specific range, get a really specific radius. And now you have a really specific market that you're targeting to. I believe that the more specific you can be for that niche will help you grow your business. My guest today is Stella Airoldi. She is the founder of 22 Stars Jewelry, a product-based business model which empowers local Ugandan artisans to rise above poverty. For a long time, she hated her parents for putting her in this situation, like that she was in the military barracks to escape from the LRA. Until she realized that her parents actually did this out of love because they knew that that would be the only safe place for her where she would not be killed. So when she found out that she was HIV positive, she really thought it would be the end of her life. But then she had like three kids, you know, to take care of. And she thought by herself, like, if I don't take care of them, what's going to happen with them? You know, who, who takes care of them? No one. So she knew she had to survive. While traveling, I got confronted a lot with myself because strangers are sometimes more honest with you than friends. Because friends are sometimes not that critical or they don't dare to tell you in your face what they don't like about you because they're afraid of losing you. But if you meet strangers while you're travel, they don't give a damn if you don't want to talk to them anymore. That's something that I realized while traveling, which I found extremely interesting and also powerful because it helped me a lot in my own self-development. Then, for example, with Uganda in particular, what I found very interesting was how the community works and how people help and love each other and then their family. That also really made me realize that I should invest way more time into my own family as well. Today, I am with Pale Bo. He is the owner and CEO of Radio Guru, an award-winning production company that develops radio commercials, runs radio training programs, and produces podcasts. Everything was with a lot of secrecy. I had to sign so many papers and NDAs and leave my phone outside. They put a sticker over my camera. And after I produced it, it was six months until it came out, so and I could not tell anybody, and my head was exploding. As I was about to jump, I was just hoping for somebody to tell me, no, this is just a joke, you don't have to do this. But then I thought I'd better lean forward. I've seen videos of people doing it, and just before they jump, they sort of bend their knees so it's not so far down, <laughs> which to me makes no sense. So I decided I'm not going to do that. In fact, I thought I might do a little jump as well, like jumping, but no, it was just lean forward. And then I did not anticipate what happened, but I screamed. I didn't think I was going to scream. It was just, nah, but I screamed like you wouldn't believe until I had no more air in my lungs. And then I took a deep breath and screamed some more because I was still falling. It's just so far down. It was insane. My guest today is David Dang Vu. He's a location independent serial entrepreneur and educator who has sold over a million dollars in courses on the Udemy platform to 45,000 unique students. We didn't look for the these A-list celebrities. They found us, you know, like our first client that was an A-lister. This was our biggest client. 
LMFAO launched that music video called Party Rock Anthem or something like that. Huge success. They blew up and they contacted us and they were really stressed out. I didn't even know who they were. Like, we're, hey, we're LMFAO and we got an issue. We need 40,000 t shirts and we need in Calgary, uh, Canada next week. Can you help us? We're like, what? <laughs> Audit your time. This is really important. I have way too many personal friends of mine that are complaining about life, complaining about not having enough, complaining about how much they make, right? But at the same time, they're spending way too much money playing video games and watching TV, right? So really auditing your time. Like I haven't watched TV except for Shark Tank <laughs> in like the last seven years, you know? So really auditing the time because people, a lot of people make that excuse was, I mean, I work a nine to five, man, and I just don't have time to create a business. Dude, bullshit, man. You're spending 20, 30 hours a week watching freaking Game of Thrones. You know, that 20, 30 hours a week, you could build a side hustle on eBay or Airbnb or drive for a freaking Uber and make a couple of grand a month. That's the truth. I'm being honest, right? So, out of your time. My guest today is Tarek Kalusi. He identifies as a recovering corporate guy. He left his high-level corporate finance job at age 35 to start traveling the world and finding his purpose. I flagged down a guy, had my big backpack and me and him on this motorbike, and we're driving along. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to cross a border by land uh, two weeks after coming to Africa for the first time. And then all of a sudden we get off the bike. Uh, he says to me, okay, you're, you can get off now. And I said, well, what do you mean? I want to go to Uganda. He was like, what do you mean? You are in Uganda. Welcome to Uganda. <laughs> and I was like, uh, excuse me? What about the border? Meanwhile, some police officers come up and are like, what's going on here? And now I'm freaking out because I just crossed a border illegally. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to end up in African jail. I feel like I have a lot of personal growth to go. I'm still learning every single second. But that said... I feel like I finally reached a point where I, I know what to do. It's a matter of execution and finding purpose and understanding what life's all about for me. So I'm more excited to be alive now than I've ever been. And that's a pretty powerful statement because, I mean, there were times where that wasn't the case. For one, I think, for me anyway, what worked is creating circumstances and situations that you do not feel comfortable, that the thought of it is overwhelming and to set goals beyond what you think are possible and just to go after it and see what happens. Because in the end, it's the process. It's not the end result. The growth and the experience happens during that journey, not at the end. Today, I am here with Tobias Rauscher. He is a guitarist and a location-independent serial entrepreneur. As a musician, you need to see yourself and your music as a product. And most musicians don't do this. But without this kind of entrepreneurial focus or business focus, it's really hard to get views and to get seen and to get fans. And so YouTube is one of the best tools nowadays for creatives to grow an audience. So yeah, it's really important because most musicians just gig around, play gigs. But that's, in my opinion, the worst thing you can do in order to grow your fan base. It's, of course, awesome to be on stage. But if you want to grow your fan base, don't do it while playing shows. What you're about to hear is one person, two hands, and one acoustic guitar. And there is no other sound or anything coming from anywhere. This is just... Tobias Rauscher performing the song that he wrote called Memories on the Maverick Show for you. All right, let's give it a try.
did as a CEO was to convince investors to invest in our company. So I flew around, I went to conferences, I went to investor meetings, I was working on my pitch decks, on the liquidation plans, on the four-year forecasts and all that stuff. This was what I'm focusing on and we even raised a lot of money before having our first 10 customers. Like I basically sold the vision 
to our investors instead of selling our product to our customers. So totally wrong focus. So with everyone who asks me, I always say, focus on your customers first. Get your first customers first and give them something they really desire and give them value. All right. This is Still Awake, written and performed by Tobias Rauscher on The Maverick Show.
Today I'm with Nick Martin. He has been a full-time world traveler and adventure seeker for over eight years. He's also a podcast host, author, and professional storyteller. It was Captain Gary, the only experienced sailor on that boat. And there was like three non-experienced couch surfers. And we were in the middle of a hurricane. And you know, there are waves and they're just coming towards you. And you're going to be like, holy shit. And they were like smashing on the catamaran. The sail ripped. We lost one engine, like one engine broke down. We lost the anchor locker. We lost the paddles of like the small, like dinky boat. And normally Captain Gary, the most experienced sailor you ever know. And, you know, say, ah, nah, he's going to figure it out. But you just walk up and you just see this guy with fear in his eyes. That was the first time in my life I had fear of death. It was a mess. Like we went through big waves and we were just like yelling at each other. Like one point, Captain Gary just said, you guys, you know what? Fuck it, just hold on to something and just pray that, you know, that we're going to survive that night. It was, I don't know, like five o'clock in the morning. Like I was, I was really close to like crying, but I couldn't because that was the problem because that was the first time in my life I had fear of death. It's quite hard to explain in words. You don't think about how you look or how much money you have or what the future is going to bring or like what your friends thinking about you. You just have like this one clear thought of like, fuck, I, I want to survive. Those kind of moments like on the catamaran, they just show you like how precious life is. Today, I'm here with Anya Winter. She is a teacher nomad and a location independent entrepreneur originally from Germany. In Thailand, I was broke at some point, didn't have any money left. And that's why actually I started teaching. But I kept thinking, okay, it's not that efficient and my students need to repeat it at home, you know, whatever I taught them. And I thought, ah, I could make a video, you know, it's very efficient. Being German, I like the efficiency. The first time I thought, oh, I'm making like $3 a month with this. It sounds like a joke now. But I thought, oh, wow, I can already buy a cape up from that in Germany, you know. And it sounds really funny, but if you make money only it's a funny thing because in the beginning when I saw it, oh, YouTube, I can buy like actually something with my YouTube money. It's kind of surprising. So, and then I thought, oh, I can take this somewhere. You know, you just go step by step, but $3, then it's maybe 30, then 300. First, maybe find out if YouTube is for you. Make some videos, upload them, see if, if it feels right. You know, for me, it felt right. And then I think it's very important to be different. When I started YouTube, there were already a lot of people teaching German actually on YouTube. But I thought, ah, I can still add value to this. I can make it different. I can be different. So I think there's always room for more YouTubers and who have to give something, you know. And then I have a schedule. In the beginning, I would also even recommend to upload daily and to take it very seriously. And then later, maybe slow down. It's just to get really in the habit of making videos and having a lot of practice. Because making videos takes a lot of practice and feeling comfortable and also getting feedback. You have to take the feedback from others seriously. Ask your friends, what do they think about your videos and things like that. My guest today is Sean Tierney. He is the director of sales at Pagely a managed WordPress hosting provider that serves clients such as Disney, Warner Brothers, Comcast, and many others. I climbed a 19,700-foot active volcano, the largest one in South America, Cotopaxi. So we leave at midnight, and we summited somewhere around 7 a.m., like right as the sun's coming up, and you're not supposed to be on top once the sun is up. So we really didn't have much time. We had like 15 minutes on the summit because there's dangers of avalanche. And you've got, you're like, literally we're hopping crevasses. I mean, it's 
legit dangerous stuff. And my crampons lock up. So the teeth in my boots gripped each other and locked up and I went over the edge. We're meant to lead extraordinary lives. And somehow along the way, we get kind of lulled into a sedentary lifestyle where we're expected to go to a nine to five and expected to be in a cubicle. And somehow people get the idea that that's normal. To me, this is how we're meant to live. We are hardwired as a species. We've lived in tribes far longer than we haven't. And I think there's something that is unacknowledged with this whole travel program thing where remote year provided like the modern day tribe. You felt it. It's a squad. It's your people. And you're moving as a unit from place to place. I don't think we can underestimate the value of returning to this tribal existence. I think there's something incredibly powerful about that, that just like, at least in my situation, it awakened me. It revitalized me. I was in a kind of a social rut prior to going into remote year. And it just like shocked me back to life. The song actually was legitimately and authentically um, amazing. And I was wondering if you could play that song for us, including with the guitar. Yeah, I've got a guitar here. I can uh, give it a shot. All right. Yeah. So the name of the song is Blind. in my own way and we are blind to choose to be all the rest just look away I'm laying my bed and I'm looking around I'm watching the walls they're falling down and the only thing left is you and me and what choice in the voices of authority say you gotta do well in school if you want a good job you gotta have a good job if you want a good life fuck the plan i've got my own and i'm living today so you will hear me say that they are blind it seems to me 
they can't see the things that we see and they are blind and they choose to be and all the rest can just be what the rest will be Can we go from here? It's not much longer now Till I'm off to new places and new faces And you're just another one in the crowd But I'll never forget these times with you Change the world with all that we do Keep one story, one thread, one line Listen up as I say it one time Life is a river, we're all giving a boat It's not enough to hold on, just sit there and float Because sometimes in life, you gotta battle upstream Deal with holes in your boat Broken oars, broken dreams And I don't always know how to steer And I can't always see And I don't always hear But we take what we get if we give what we got One try, one life, our shot It's not long now No, it's not long now No, it's not long We drive up Pichincha, which is that big towering mountain. It's like 3,000 feet above Quito, which is already at like 9,500 feet or something. And so I'm way up there. And it's the one day we can do this uh, certification jump and like there's fog on the takeoff site. And so you're not supposed to launch in that scenario. You should never fly when it's zero visibility. But the instructors are like, eh, it'll be fine. <laughs> just just go ahead. You'll be fine. And I'm just like, really? Like, are you sure this is a good idea? Like, yeah, you'll be fine. So I start going down and I'm running down this hill. And because it's so high... I'm having to really run and I'm running down this hill and I'm not taking off and I'm going really fast at this point. But anyways, get off the ground and it's a complete whiteout. I'm flying in a, just a bank of fog. This is literally our core philosophy comes down to this one statement. Sales is customer service before they're a customer. If you think in those terms, then all you're doing is trying to get them the best outcome based on what you know of their situation. That then dictates that you do a lot more discovery, that you try to get on the same side of the table and truly understand their challenges, that you have a deep knowledge of your own product and can map that effectively, help understand their challenges and then show how your stuff maps to what they need. And I've had plenty of calls where it, we weren't the best fit. And I'll be the first one to say, look, I don't even think we're good for you. I think you should go talk to this competitor and here's why. And we've had referrals come from those folks because we treated them so well, but they'll still tell other people about us. So it all comes down to try to have their best interests ahead of your own and get them a good outcome. My guest today is Johannes Volkner. He is the founder of the Nomad Cruise. It was like the first official cruise. And if you compare what you see now to what we had there, this is worlds apart. But the, the failure of organizing this cruise and kind of like me, I even got sick and I was just like, what the fuck am I doing here? There's 200 people on the ship and I'm like the only one. And like in the introduction night, I said, guys, if you have any questions, please don't talk to me. <laughs> 
so that was how we started to make a better program. The main reason why we are successful is because we had so many failures before, right? Like there's 10 times more failures than successes. I had been working for four years to get the to where I had no income, where I had just built a Facebook group and sold my ebook for a few dollars. You need to fail all the time to succeed because otherwise you don't learn. I mean, if you look at the real picture, then you just have to like really put in the work and you have to have a lot of failures that will ultimately lead to the big success. In the end, all your failures put together lead to the success that you have. My guest today is Brooke Seam. She is an entrepreneur, chef, author, public speaker, world traveler, and extreme performance training coach. I basically just kind of blinked my eyes and woke up when I'm in my 30s. I had, you know, co-owned this business in New York. I lived in a Manhattan apartment and I sort of had these things that I was supposed to have and I was just massively unhappy. I was suicidal. I just, I didn't see a way out of the situation. And I actually found out in the same week, I got my acceptance to remote year and I got told that I was going to be on Chopped. And I had an immediate meltdown because it was also the same week that I started detoxing off of all the drugs. I think that there's, you know, especially through travel and even starting your own business, whatever it is, there's always these roadblocks you end up against where you are so clearly out of your comfort zone. And for me, the more I can explore that in my physical body, the more the mental and emotional aspects of being out of my comfort zone are easier to handle. So when I get in a 32 degree ice bath and dunk my head under and have an initial shock that is just get me the hell out of here or what are you doing? Those are the same thoughts that run through my head in a stressful life situation, even though there's no actual ice or physical stressor involved. And so I found so much benefit in learning how to calm myself down, both through breath work and just observing the thoughts that come into my mind in the middle of an ice bath. Once I get in there and I can explore the physical side of things and go through the mind talk, I find it translates so easily into everyday life. My guest today is Seth Green. He is the founder of the direct response marketing firm, Market Domination LLC, which specializes in helping business owners optimize their marketing funds. So huge Shark Tank fan, obviously. Got a phone call from a friend of mine. He said, hey, did you know that Kevin Harrington is coming to Buffalo to speak? $300 a ticket, bought a ticket. I had scheduled eight meetings for that day. I rescheduled them all so I could go. I went to the event. Very cool. Saw Kevin speak. He's in the back selling autograph and books, taking pictures for social media. And I'm in line. I'm like, if I just ask for a picture, I don't stand out at all. Everyone wants a picture. I'm a marketing guy. I got to come up with something. Think, 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 think. It's my turn. Inspiration strikes. They say, Mr. Harrington, I'm here to take you to the airport. First question we ask in any marketing consultation is, who is your target market? He says, I'm a dentist. I can help anybody with teeth. And I say, hang on, doc. So we analyzed his patient base, who pays the most, who refers the most, who he likes working on, who's the most profitable. And we ultimately find out that his real ideal patient, after some deep dive analysis, is actually a 40 to 50-year-old affluent suburban woman who's gotten divorced in the last six months, is starting to date again, wants to do something to improve her appearance, but doesn't want plastic surgery. That's a tightly defined niche market that we can then sell to $25,000 divorce smile makeovers. He works four days a week instead of six. 
He does one or two a day. He makes eight times as much money in less than half the time as he used to. He's insanely profitable. He's got a waiting list. You nail the target market and you can reinvent your entire business and explode. My guest today is Bill Manassero. He was elected to public office at the age of 18. He became a corporate VP at age 21 and then started his own business and gravitated into the tech space. And he said to my wife, these guys are not cops. They were dressed like they were cops, but they were not cops. And so he just kind of let the car in front of him go a little bit further ahead he started to inch the car up and he said, okay, when I say duck, you guys duck. So he starts to back the car up and then he starts backing into the street and the guys see him and he's, so he's whipping the car out in reverse and the guy comes out and he sees them. He goes, stop, stop. And he just stepped on the gas in reverse, swerving the car from one side of the road to the other. My wife and daughter and the other lady laying down in the car and they just opened fire on us like with AK-47. A lot of these components that we have to assess whether a property would be a good investment, it just it just ain't happening here in Southern Cal, I'll tell you. So I just really launched into understanding emerging markets. And what great thing about real estate is there isn't really a national market. People say there's a national, but there really isn't. It's a bunch of regional markets all over the country. And you have some that are just beginning to move up the bell curve. You have some that are already, you know, starting to decline, like here in Southern Cal, prices are going down. You know, you have all these different markets. So finding those emerging markets, and there's a lot of things you look for in a matrix, but basically, you know, it's population growth, it's a strong local economy, low unemployment. You know, you look at rent ratios and things of this nature that show you that. This is a good rental market for you. My guest today is Dr. Laura Gallagher. She is an organizational psychologist, speaker, facilitator, and executive coach. I felt wildly incompetent every day, but I can reconceptualize what that means. Most of us, when we're kids, competence is knowing things. You know, you're graded on very basic tests like what's the alphabet? What's two plus two? And it's right or it's wrong. And it's this very like polarized, binary way of living. And that's not real past a certain point. And so competence for me, when I start to recognize and realize that it's not about knowing things or being an expert in a particular area, it's about trusting in my ability to figure shit out. That's so much more valuable. I went back to Orlando, but when I was there, I didn't feel like home. You know, I didn't feel more at home there than I did when I was in Marrakesh where I had flown from. And so this place that I had called home for 13 years didn't feel like home. And so I was like, nothing feels like home. Like what gives? And I started to realize that that was really just more a reflection of how I felt about myself and the way that I was thinking about myself. So when I talk about, quote, self-esteem, I prefer the phrase self-acceptance. And so what that means to me is not that I think that I'm great at everything and that's why I'm okay, but wherever I am in my life, in my journey, in my skill set, in my relationship status, in my business, wherever I am, that's okay. That's okay. And when I can really be okay with myself, wherever I am with all those variables, then I can feel at home anywhere. My guest today is Colin Randall. He is a location independent serial entrepreneur. He's the co-founder, owner, and executive producer at Feed the Wolf, an LA-based production company that creates music videos for some of the top artists in the world. We did a project for Big Sean, 
with French Montana. And we had the amazing idea to hang Big Sean from a half million dollar chandelier in a ridiculous, you know, $20 million house and have him perform as he's swinging back and forth on a chandelier. (laughs) But of all things that happen, you know, an entourage member of one of the artists decides to put his belongings on a side table inside the foyer that he's not supposed to be in. And as he removes his jacket, wraps tightly around an antique vase and shatters the vase on the floor, valued at $35,000. I remember very consciously really trying to build my confidence back up. This was the most difficult time I ever went through. I'm driving to work in a car that doesn't have a dashboard. On the outside, it's like, who's this guy that's going to lunch in the Ferrari? We'd be going into these restaurants in Beverly Hills and the waitstaff and those who would see us there at these different restaurants, they would treat me a certain way by being associated with this group. And I would leave these lunch meetings now no longer with my mentor or my counterparts. I had no, no vehicle in front of me, but I was still dressed well. And I still was carrying this confidence, this air that I was getting inside this environment. And just to go get coffee and do that lap, I remember feeling really good about myself. And it had a lot to do with the way that I present myself. People make compliments about what I was wearing. And it was just like a feedback loop that I continued to try to feed myself. My guest today is Maria Sirotkina. She is a serial entrepreneur and world traveler who has been to over 50 countries. She holds an MBA and is proficient in five languages. I did not have any training. None of us had any training. So we were all like self-taught and our first startup capital was 300 bucks. Back then, entrepreneur was not fancy. It was actually quite lame. I remember I was calling my father and I said, yeah, dad, you know, and I was like thinking like, I'm going to be like you. I'm like, dad, I finally uh, registered the business and I'm the CEO because I was the first CEO. And he was like, I'm so disappointed because I wish you did something proper with your life. And that was like, boom. But in several years, we've kind of, we've seen that it was not boom, but it was like rather boom. (laughs) You know, one thing that I don't do, I don't Instagram because if I was Instagramming my life, it would not be pretty. Actually, it looks so hectic. But in terms of structuring, I have to say that at work, I'm a machine. And my husband makes fun of me because I'm a machine. And this is true. I have to be very, very, very rigorous on uh, how I work because I want to be completely with my family when I'm with them. So on my calendar, I actually see where the whole day goes. I'm productive every time, every like literally every 30 minutes of my day. My day is broken to like 30 minute intervals. Every 30 minutes, I'm productive because I'm paying for daycare for two children. So I've got to make much more than them during the time when I'm productive. So I have to be very productive. There is a lot of pressure. My guest today is Ben Lakoff. He is a serial entrepreneur, a chartered financial analyst, an angel in investor and a world traveler. That's not the dumbest thing you do that day. So as soon as all the bulls run by, you follow them and you run into the arena. The arena is packed full of people. Then they close it. And then the people out in the arena in the middle pile on top of each other. So lay on top of each other in front of a gate. So they open up the doors and a, a smaller bull comes out, jumps over the pile of humans into the arena At which point he goes crazy, just demolishing everybody. But the whole goal is to distract him and to jump over the bull. 
Which is crazy. You're running around, and you see he's knocking into people, but then one guy is distracting him, the bull's licking at him, and his buddy will run around behind him and jump over the bull. <laughs> it's utter chaos. So what makes a startup successful? It's having a product so good that everyone spontaneously tells their friends about it. That's what it is. There's a, a number of other things, but ultimately having a, a product that customers love and are happy to tell their friends about with or without a referral program. So that's the biggest thing with most startups is finding that elusive product market fit. I'm still trying to do it with all of my startups, right? I mean, it's a, it's a constant slog. Are we building before we've validated a product? Are we building the solution to the customer's burning problem? Do we even understand their problem? So these, these are the biggest things and most important KPIs early, early on. The key is really, really understanding the problem and not not going after the solution that people are proposing to you, but really thinking outside the box and saying, you know, how how can you attack this problem at its root? My guest today is Marissa Medin. She is a serial entrepreneur, a real estate professional, a clarity advisor and career coach. We recorded a music video with Snoop Dogg. We did the Super Bowl halftime show with Beyonce. I think everyone the outside is looking in like Marissa's just hanging out with all of these incredible artists and going to these really intimate shows and literally attending the Grammys, the Golden Globes, walking the red carpet, just like hanging with celebrities. And this really was my life. But even though it was an incredible experience, it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. I wanted to try entrepreneurship. I didn't want to have a boss. I wanted to kind of just do my own thing and live a different life. So I wanted to travel. And so I restarted everything pick a target and decide who they are and just talk to that one person. For any brand you're building, whether it's a soda, whether it's real estate, whether it's a life coach, you know, whoever you are, figure out your target consumer and pretend like they're literally a person. What is their name? Who are they? What do they do when they wake up? What do they drink in the morning? Who are they calling throughout the day? Who are their friends? What kind of families do they have? What kind of car do they drive? Where do they shop? What are they wearing? Do they play video games? How are they entertaining? What magazines are they reading. Like the more detail you can write about who that person is, the clearer you can be within your marketing and everything you do serves that person. And people are going to connect with that. And you end up connecting with people who are more than that, but at least you have this consistent personality. You got to pick that person, know them in and out. And that way you can pick your marketing strategies based on that. There are Facebook groups filled with thousands and thousands of people who will talk about their experiences about anything. I am not a parent. I do not have a kid going through this process. So I would go into Facebook groups of these parents asking about college admissions or parents just asking about questions in general of what they're struggling with. And I would go in and just say, hey, you know, what's your biggest concern about the college admissions process? As a fellow parent, I would pretend like I was a parent, just relate to these people. And if you'd get 85 comments of people are like, this is my exact fear. This is exactly what I'm struggling with. This is exactly what I want help with. And it's like, okay, thank you. I would take the language that they use and then you serve it back to them. And they're like, Marissa understands what I'm going through, right? But you can do that with any business you are going through. It's like free focus group. At Pepsi, we would pay thousands of dollars to find the right people. And they're just for free in Facebook groups. So take advantage of that. Write down whatever is coming into your brain that is stopping you, that's holding you back, that says that I can't afford this, but I've never done it. But there's other people 
doing it. There's other people doing it better. Who am I to teach this? Who am I to start a business? Who am I to travel the world and leave the corporate world behind? Whatever it is that comes to your mind, I want you to write it down. And then as you do it, I want you to write three bullet points underneath each of those that says why that's not true. I can't make money while traveling the world. Go find four people on Instagram who are doing that and write it down and follow their story. Write down any reasons you can think of why that fear that's holding you back isn't necessarily true. And I think you'll find that fears that are in your head are somewhat real. They're valid, right? They're there for a reason, but they shouldn't hold you back. And once you realize the reasons that they don't need to, it all becomes more doable. When I first started traveling and wanted to start getting to new countries and go to new places, in my head, it was about checking off a new box, checking off a new country, going to bucket list places. When I go to a country, it was like, here are the top things that top five things that tourists do. And I would get there with friends I knew and I would go explore and see and go back home. And when I became a digital nomad, what I very quickly learned was that it didn't matter where I was going or what I was seeing. That was an added benefit. What was so incredible was the people that I met and the type of people who travel, who, you know, who are traveling or working or just backpacking or whatnot, or just the people that you meet locally is incredible. It's these people who have a different mindset. And as I look back on my favorite memories, it's about the people that I'm with and experiencing and less about where I am or what I'm doing. And so it's just this total shift. My guest today is Michael Thielen. He is a Clio and Emmy award-winning commercial and feature film director. It's like sprinting a marathon. Can you imagine sprinting a marathon? You kind of feel like you're going to die. You know, (laughs) I felt I was going to die. I was like, I'm going to probably die in this for sure. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. It's like, oh, I didn't know that they broke up in the middle of the shoot. And that's why I couldn't get so-and-so to show up on time anymore. And you're like, oh, okay. And like producers have to handle that shit because like they have to shield you from it because you just can't know. There was so much shit happening, I think, behind the scenes on mine that I had blinders on. Like I was like one of those like, you know, those... Those horses in Central Park, it was just like, just keep walking forward. Just keep going forward. Oh, yeah, all that shit's like, all that shit's falling away. Like, next, oh, yeah, I'm just keeping going forward. It's all based on relationships. Your work will speak for itself for the most part, but that work will introduce you to other people. And then people will want to work with you based on your work, kind of, but really on a relationship. So 90% relationship, 10% of the talent. I wish it was the other way around. But ultimately, it's about if people want to work with you. And so you have to meet as many people as you can and you have to charm them and you have to be as genuine as you can because people can tell if you're full of shit. It's a relationship game. Maybe that's cliche, but it's in a lot of industries, but especially this one. But obviously, the content really does speak for itself in terms of they're seeing such a breadth of work that that's where we ended up just succeeding is there's an opportunity there. We take all these opportunities very seriously because you never know. When we were working with even Bruno Mars, we shot his first ever showcase in LA, like super tiny. And then he's performing at the Super Bowl three years later. My guest today is Lydia Baikalova. She is a location independent entrepreneur, a photographer, a world traveler, and the co-founder and owner of The I Do Photography. Right now, the life that I'm living is a dream for a lot of people. And yet sometimes you find yourself being in the same mental state as you're at home. Like you still have problems and it's still kind of, sometimes you have a bad day and sometimes you're just like, wait, I'm in paradise and how come I'm not happy? Because even if you're traveling, like traveling is great, but it's not the answer to all of your problems. So if you think that starting to travel is going to solve them, uh, 
I think it's probably going to do the other thing. It's going to bring up more of what your actual issues are. And when you're traveling, yeah, you're far away, but you're still there with yourself. So you have to build a better relationship with yourself and then you can be anywhere and then you can be happy and you have a much better space to create. You know, when you're that young, everything feels like it's just so final. Like every heartbreak, every failure, you think that that's it. Like that, that defined you just knowing that that's going to happen over and over again. So might as well get better at that. It was probably a very useful piece of advice that nothing is final. It's all going to change and then it's going to change again and then you're going to change and that's okay. Accept that and the better you adapt, the better you survive. So when you have a problem, like adversity is not a bad thing. Learning that adversity is a good thing because that teaches you to grow, that makes you better. And constant growth is absolutely necessary. If you're not growing, that means you're diminishing. And if you're diminishing, you're suffering. If your personality is not constantly expanding, then you're probably not going to be the happiest person you can be. My guest today is Nathan Hirsch. He is a location-independent entrepreneur and the co-founder and CEO of FreeUp, which connects businesses with pre-vetted virtual assistants and freelancers. On the first day of my vacation, I get three phone calls. The first call for my manager of the day quitting on me. So months and months of training down the drain. Second, from my supplier telling me that they no longer want to do business with me, so I have to start all over again. And third, from my accountant telling me that someone had filed a fake tax return in my name, had stolen my identity, and I was going to have to deal with that mess when I got back. So I went from this unbelievable high to this 20, 21-year-old entrepreneur crushing it to let's start all over again. I don't know if you've ever done an exit interview, but it is extremely uncomfortable. And I, I really just said... Hey, can you tell me why you're quitting? And this guy hit me to the core. He told me everything that was wrong with my management style, with my leadership, with, with the culture in the business that was because of me, with our hiring process, everything that was wrong with specific people in the company. He hit me in the core and it hurt a lot. But I should have written that guy a check right there because that information was gold. I mean, it, it saved me hundreds of thousands of dollars down the line. And it, it really was a, a self-reflection point, a turning point for me as a manager. And that was really the turning point for me is how do I go from this manager who just talks down to people, who's the bad cop, who only talks business and doesn't care about culture, to how can Connor and I manage and build the culture together and lead people? My guest today is Tiffany Green. She is a professional real estate investor who retired at 42 and is now financially free and traveling the world, living off of her passive rental income. Daisy walks through the office door. I'm like intimidated. You know, what do I say? I got to say something because you like, you know, Kanye, he's the bomb here in Chicago. And like, y'all need to like recognize him. So this is like going in the back of my head. And so we whip out the research and then we show Jay-Z and we were like, look, th this is a real artist. Like he has the top three slots. We were just like, this is the bomb. This Kanye is a real deal. Jay is like, he was probably thinking like, dang, I've been wrong all this time. Right. You know? <laughs> I was like riding around in a Honda Accord for 10 years and people were like, Tiffany, please get rid of the Honda Accord. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, I don't care. I want a house, right? You know? And so I would like save my money. When I decided to buy a house, I said, you know what? I need to buy a duplex. 
Because if I'm ever fired from radio, how can I afford this big mortgage? And so it was like an insurance policy for me. And throughout my radio career, that first house that I bought has always been with me. And, you know, when I did lose my job in radio, that two flat was there. And that two flat was receiving income. One of the units paid the mortgage and the other unit was income in my pocket. And so it just made sense to repeat. My guest today is Shane Vitale Foran. He is the founder, CEO, and lead designer for two fashion brands, Vitale Design and Clocks and Colors. At one point, we were really, really like, you know, back of the car kind of vibe, you know, like selling out of the trunk of the car type vibe. And all of our stuff was warehoused in our basement in the house that we were living in. And there was a massive flood and the whole basement flooded and all the inventory. It was wood inventory at the time. So when the flood came in, it destroyed all of it. So, you know, obviously we thought we were bankrupt again. There's just so many scenarios like that. And I think, you know, for anyone that's thinking about starting a business, you need to expect that these things are coming because they are. We were all kind of the brand. So we were always shown on the social media, you know, really out there representing it, etc. And what we found was that over time, we were aging and maturing and we were kind of trying to take the Vitaly brand with us as we aged, but it wasn't designed to do that. You know, it's not a brand that's meant to target 35 year olds or 40 year olds. You know, it has its space that it's supposed to live. And what we had to learn was that sometimes you have to let your brand go the same way that, you know, you have to send your kid off to university. They can't live at home forever. And that was really impactful for us. So my personal brand has definitely started to part ways from those. And and I think my personal brand now is a little bit more about being more of kind of an alternative leader and and somebody who doesn't do things in a status quo way and more of an entrepreneur. My guest today is Scott Carson, aka The Note Guy. So I sold everything here in Austin. I sold my house. I sold everything in the house, you know, the fixtures. I had like enough stuff to go in one cell storage. And me and my dog jumped in my truck and we headed out. And what we thought would be 30 weeks of just traveling around the country, speaking and and talking to people and seeing baseball games turned into three and a half plus years of travel. You choosing not to take advantage of something is you guaranteeing failure. You know, the only thing you guarantee by not trying is failure. And everybody starts off putting their pants on in the morning or their underwear on one leg at a time. you got to start somewhere. I was brand new at different things. But that's one of the most important keys I can tell everybody out there listening. It doesn't matter if you're in real estate or tiddlywinks or whatever it is. We're not in that specific field. Everybody out there is now a media company. We're all a marketing company. We're all trying to find buyers, find clients, whatever we're trying to do. We're all in the media. And if you're choosing not to embrace that, you're really going to get left behind very quickly because somebody out there is going to be doing it and they're going to be taking that market share away from you very quickly. My guest today is Diane Kennedy. She is a certified public accountant, real estate investor, location independent entrepreneur. Richard and I were volunteering at orphanages in Juarez, Mexico, which is just down across the border from El Paso, Texas. And it was at a time that Juarez was the most dangerous city in the world. And the orphanages were just overrun with kids. Their parents had been killed or, you know, whatever had happened. There was lots and lots of kids. And at one of the orphanages, we met David. So we started the adoption process. It took about six months and we adopted him. He was then 14 years old and we brought him into the business right away. And he has his own business now. 
So I have a very defined process. I start off with a mind map for a book that I want to write. And I have books, online journals, and I have my colored pens. There's a whole theory with mind mapping when you use a color that it kind of kicks in that side of your brain that's creative. And then from that, create the first table of contents, which is basically an outline. And then I expand on that and then I write it. I also am using voice to text as much as possible. So dragon, once I start hanging words on that skeleton of the outline, I use dragon. And that, by the way, is a learned skill. And how do you dictate and have it come out coherent without rambling? And if you've never done that before, it's going to take a little bit to get it, but it's worth the hassle because you will write so much faster if you can do that. My guest today is Majid Mujalid. He is the co-founder and president of Chipper Cash. So it's completely off the books. No one really sees, it's very informal. No one knows these transfers that happen. The World Bank doesn't calculate it. And so if you have a company like PayPal or Venmo, you know, saying, hey, should we go into Africa? Let's do this data analysis. You crunch the numbers. The numbers aren't really there because they're all informal. But when you talk to the people, like how are you moving money? It's there. So that's kind of the bet that we're playing on, which is we talk to people every day. We know what's happening on the ground and we have the tech and resources and connections. So let's just build this. It's Africa's time. This decade, upcoming decade is going to be huge. And yes, even if we are early, it's going to happen. This is what you have to do if you're doing something part time. You just work on it 30 minutes a day. And that showing up every single day to work on what you want to work on part time, you know, helps a lot. I, I can remember this because I think I was on a train from Sofia, Bulgaria to Serbia. And there were these, you know, amazing rocks. It, it was basically a hill of rocks. Like they look like crystal shining rocks. And, and that was on my right side. And then I was amazed looking at it. And the guy behind me, you know, he mentioned, you know what? It isn't the power of the waves, but it's the frequency day after day. These waves are hitting the rocks. And that's what causes such a beauty for miles and miles and miles and end. And that just, you know, it was like, that's it. It's just the 1%. Every single day, you got to just show up and make something 1% better. So that was how I was able to build Chipper Cash, really the core of it while traveling. My guest today is Mark Podolsky, a.k.a. The Land Geek. So everywhere along the way, I would see, what am I doing? I would record it. I would make a training video, a standard operating procedure. I would test it. I would refine it. And then I could get myself out of it. So now today, I work two hours a week in Frontier Properties, just talking to the team and then looking at the numbers. How many offers went out? How many deals are pending? How many deals did we close? My favorite marketing technique is what I'm doing right now, which is talking on other people's podcasts as a guest. Because a paid ad, I have no trust. It's a really difficult way to start nurturing a lead. But if I get on somebody's podcast like yours, I get instant credibility from the host. And if they like what they're listening to, they can consume a lot more content and really determine if I'm their guy or not, as opposed to a quick ad that's interrupting them in, say, a Facebook feed or, you know, a Google ad where they're typing land investing and they see that keyword, you know, I'm, I'm sort of like competing. I want to be that blue ocean. There's no one can out compete me on being me. So wherever I can be me, I want to show up and be me. 
My guest today is Agnes Nyamwange, originally from Nakura, Kenya. She went to college in Kampala, Uganda for her bachelor's degree in management information and then did her master's degree in business administration in the United States. They're like, just so you understand, you're not under arrest. But they start treating me like someone who is under arrest. They don't allow me to have my phone. All my luggage gets locked up in this other room. Then I get taken to this room that is written women's, which is literally a detention center. There is no windows and then they have cameras and the light there is so bright you can't even sleep and they never turn it off. You don't know whether it's day or night. And I remember they had two mattresses on the floor and I'm looking at those mattresses. I'm like, I bet you there's bags on those mattresses. They were so dirty. And I'm like, they put people here until they completely go crazy. I couldn't get out of bed and I didn't know what was wrong with me. So I decided to call the hospital. And I remember telling the person on the phone that I can understand why people commit suicide. It's a terrible, horrible feeling to have. And there is like this deep sadness that comes with it. What I explain to people, it's like you're drowning and you don't know what to do. And after I got to that point, I started self-reflection. I also decided I need to take care of me because if I don't take care of me, I cannot take care of anyone else. And I started making life changes. So I started trying And I started finding the fulfillment in travel where it made me so happy. My guest today is Greg Kaplan. He is the co-founder and CEO of Remote Year. All it was was a website with email sign-up box and a couple lines of text. It said, who wants to travel together for a year while working remotely? And there's almost no more information. Uh, (laughs) And the first day, over a thousand people signed up. Totally wild, totally unexpected. I mean, just like literally insane. And then more people started talking about it and more people started putting in their email addresses and then more press started reaching out. And over the next couple of months, as this just kind of snowballed, over 50,000 people had signed up all over the world. And so what that means for companies is they need to figure out how to recruit, retain, and engage the very best people. That is the most important way to win in today's business environment. And if you ask the best people, what do you want? They want to work when they want, where they want, how they want, and then on things that they find inspiring. And the way increasingly that these companies are doing it is they're offering different levels and different kinds of flexibility for those top performers. And what that's doing is it's causing the best companies to make a pretty critical decision. Either get on board with the flexible work style that the best people are demanding or lose out on top talent that will go to some other competitor that will eventually win against you because of the top talent they're able to recruit. My guest today is Ashley Han. She is a location-independent entrepreneur, online branding and marketing strategist, coach, speaker, and world traveler. <laughs> I just lost it. <laughs> wait, wait. Hotter than a... Oh, man, I just lost it. Wait, 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 wait. I can come back. Okay, okay, okay. Where was I? Where was I? With a funny face, with a bank in his funny face. Oh, shoot. 
No, it's when I'm on the spot. Tony Mataran, Detti, whine it, whine it. Nikki on the pit is why she signed it. Well, there's no one trap minded. Uh, really, really, I don't fuck with the CK. Fuck you, Barbie. Oh, shoot. Okay, I forgot it. I can't do it. <laughs> You'll need to edit that part out. People will judge you. In fact, people are judging you right now. They do every day. It happens. And so what? Who cares? It has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. So just be yourself, be true to yourself because you matter, you're worthy, you're special. And when you trust and love yourself, you open yourself up to receiving all of the joy, love, and miracles that are meant for you. So take a leap, risk it all, screw fitting in, stand out, own your power, and go for it. Would you spit it right now for the Maverick Show? Really? Okay, I'll do it. it. Okay, go ahead. Pull up in the monster automobile gangsta with a bad bitch that came from Sri Lanka. Yeah, I'm in that tonka color of Willy Wonka. You could be the king, now watch the queen. Co- okay, first things first, I'll eat your brains. Then I'm going to start rocking gold teeth and fangs because that's what a motherfucking monster do. Hairdresser from Milan, that's what monster do. Monster Giuseppe Hill, that's a monster crew. Young Money and the Rasta and the monster crew. And I'm all up, all up, all up in the bank with a funny face. And if I'm fake, I ain't noticed because my money ain't. And let me get this straight. Wait, I'm the rookie, but my features in my shows 10 times your pay 50k with a verse no album out yeah my money's so tall that my body about to climb it hotter than a middle eastern climate find it 20 mataranda to whine it whine it nikki on the pit is why she sign it while it's so one track minded or really really i don't give a f-u-c-k forget barbie fuck nikki she, she's fake i'm on a diet but my pockets eat a cheesecake and i'll say boy the chucky's child's play just killed another career it's a mild day besides yay they can't stand besides me i think me you and you nikki minaj friday Pink wig, thick ass, giving whiplash. I think big get cash, making blink fast. Now look at what we just saw. This is what you came for. <laughs> Motherfucking monster. Mike, <laughs> drop. Drop the mic. That was that was the single greatest thing that has ever happened on the Maverick Show. All right, everybody. That's it for the highlight reel. Please take a couple minutes to fill out the feedback form and give me your opinion about the Maverick Show. You can go to themaverickshow.com slash survey and just take two minutes to fill that out. I would greatly, greatly appreciate hearing your feedback. Themaverickshow.com slash survey. All right. That's it for this episode. Good night, everybody. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. If you like podcasts, you will love audiobooks, and you can get your first one for free at themaverickshow.com slash audiobook. Whether you want the latest best-selling novels or books on investing, business, or travel, try your first audiobook for free at themaverickshow.com forward slash audiobook. Learn how Maverick Investor Group can help you by cash-flowing rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets, regardless of where you live. Schedule a free phone consult today at the
themaverickshow.com slash consult. Now you can buy rental properties with tenants and local property management in place so you don't have to be a landlord or a rehabber. To get your questions answered and discuss how Maverick Investor Group can help you meet your real estate investing goals, schedule your free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com forward slash consult.